You're listening to Medically Unbiased. Unbiased. Offering an unbiased discussion about all things medical. See? An unbiased opinion. Medically speaking? Yeah. Medically Unbiased. Hello, everyone. Back with Geo today, talking about the strike that happened here in Las Vegas because of nurses not getting the appropriate PPE. At least that was my initial understanding. So we'll say hello, Geo. Hey, that was a little really cool music going on. Hey, thanks. I like that. You know, have a have a good producer hooks me up with some good stuff once in a while, so I had to get a new intro. But I got a question for you. What prompted this strike? And so you're aware, last week, you may not have heard on the podcast, but I spoke with Ron, one of my co-hosts, who's not here today, but I spoke with him, and we talked a little bit about the strike. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned that it was generally because you guys are not getting the appropriate PPE, and other departments were not getting appropriate PPE in right. the hospital to protect you. Right. So, and then I told him, I said, look, strikes, it wasn't like a walkout. This isn't the 1960s you know, movie where everyone goes, like you hold up a sign and everyone goes on strike. I said, this was planned. The hospital was well aware. Everyone was involved, was aware. Tell me the what happened, how this all went about and how this came about. So the correct terminology would be a demonstration okay. um, or an action. Um, we didn't actually go on strike because strike would mean the, there was work stoppage. And when it comes to nursing and safety, we obviously don't want to put any of the patients at risk. Makes sense. Right. So as an action, um, we are a hospital with a union. And uh, when we do actions and we involve all the employees, we do have to no- we notify the company. And okay. what that allows us to do is, is it allows us to speak to the employees um, within the organization itself. Otherwise, if we didn't, you know, let the employer know, then we would have to organize outside of the facility. We wouldn't be welcomed, you know, inside the facility. Okay. So it's part of the contract, essentially, because you said the, the contract is signed by the employer, the hospital that you work for, mm-hmm. and the union, and they agree that we won't walk off the job. But we will. We do have the right to have demonstrations where we disagree with management from the from the hospital. Oh, we're allowed to let the public know and the community know when there's anything that's unsafe. Absolutely. Yeah, perfect. But work stoppage, um, you know, like a planned sick out, anything like that. No, that, that okay. is not something that is within our contract. Okay. So this started. Why did this start? I mean, I've heard rumors. So just. Put to for me, put to bed all of the rumor mill. I'd like to just be true with my three listeners that are out there. All three <laughs> of you guys support me. I love it. Thanks, mom. I'm just kidding. So, the three listeners, I would like them to understand what per, I know it's the all about the PPE, but the general public, I feel, hears the words or the letters PPE and then they hear masks and they like they hear all these words. And I don't know that they truly understand what it means to take care of a person who's very sick with COVID in a hospital and how you, as a nurse, go about protecting yourself. And then what are the ramifications of the hospital not providing the appropriate equipment? Well, so I'm a lot packed into that. So just just unpack what you want. So let me roll you back to March okay. um, when, you know, COVID was kind of brand new to all of us. Um, as far as here in the United States, obviously, it wasn't brand new to people overseas. Or, um, But once it really hit Las Vegas, um, like I said, I'm rolling it back to March because at that point, um, there was a lot of argument as to whether airborne, not airborne, droplet, not droplet. And, you know, as a person of science... Um, and uh, my fellow, you know, my coworkers, all people of science, we all knew that a SARS um, was airborne. And yeah, so, SARS-CoV-1 right. was airborne, according to CDC. And every one of our isolation boxes that are in every single room of our hospital right outside had a little graphic um, done by our infection control folks as to what protections to wear for things like meningitis, tuberculosis, like you mentioned, SARS, COVID-1. And, um, you know, the other inter- other international bodies were saying airborne at the time. Yeah. But 
our hospital was saying, no, you, the CDC had dropped it to droplet. So um, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to provide the specific mask, which is called an N95, different than a surgical mask that you see um, us wearing on a regular basis. But the N95, um, it blocks 95% of the particles um, that are coming in. So it required that type of mask. Um, so there was a little bit of an argument between staff, infection control, and um, management or leadership. Um, part of it is that the N95s do cost a lot more. Part yeah. of it is the production. Um, there was a slowed production. Um, and it's also overseas. We were getting a lot of our stuff from overseas. So there's there's a lot of stuff that was going on as to why there were not enough. Well, I had heard your hospital sent a bunch of masks to China. Correct. So You we, guys sent a lot of your per, your PPE, the ones that you would generally use to protect yourself, was sent to China in good faith because they were had the pandemic where it started. And realistically, we were trying to, kind of like war, we were trying to keep it there. Correct. We were trying to keep it under control there, right? So if mm-hmm. it didn't get out of control in this, you know, huge nation, it wasn't going to, you know, come over our way. So um, there was multiple reasons why there was a lack of the N95s. And one of the things that uh, they had asked of us is that we don't wear them when a person was under investigation. So a person under investigation is someone that was being tested but was not positive yet. And our first... Um, demonstration or and these are patients that are just so that everyone's Correct. listening. These are not persons under investigation. It's not a police thing. This is not a, a nurse that's under investigation. This is a patient that came to the hospital that we suspect possibly could have COVID, but we don't know because we've done the test and we haven't got the results yet. And initially the tests were taking a long time to come back. Right. So a person might be in our hospital from, you know, a week to three weeks before we ever got a test back. Okay. Um, so you figure three weeks. Maybe, nobody using nobody, nobody using the 95s correct that's two nurses radiology you name it going into that room evs every single every person single in the person. hospital All right so we said how does that make sense once that person's positive all those people are exposed and now we're taking it out to our community um so why my first line and my first question to leadership was I, I don't understand, but we're conserving the masks, but we're not going to conserve the people, the nurses, the staff. Right. Um, I think masks are replaceable, but our people staff are is not. not. Right. So that was our, our, our very first kind of battle with leadership. And as uh, things went on, they, they did, you know, change their minds and say, if a person's under investigation, you can wear an N95. And that's all, all staff. But it was quite a long battle. It was about a two to three month battle really just to be able to wear an n95 mask to take care of a patient who possibly has an airborne illness oh yes (laughs) and that's ridiculous to me because we i you know as you know we worked together a long time ago and i was a bedside nurse and i can remember if a patient was suspected of potentially coming in contact at some point in time in the not too distant past with a tuberculosis patient, we rushed them to a negative pressure room and everyone was suited up and wearing an N95 mask just on a rule out TB, mm-hmm. not a confirmed TB. Same thing with uh, C. diff. C. diff. Same thing with meningitis. Same flu. thing with flu. Yeah. Anytime that you have a patient that comes in with suspected, one of the things that's a possible diagnosis, we protect ourselves because, it, and this is something that I think the community needs to know, it's not just about protecting the staff. That staff member goes into the next room and the next room. Yeah. The next room. Right. And says hi to mom and dad when they walk in to see baby. Whatever the case may be, we are in contact with our community. And so our big you know, effort was in protecting the community, not just ourselves. No, that makes sense. Um, so they acquiesced finally. Mm-hmm. But what did that look like? Was it, oh, well, you're right, Gio, you're amazing. I'm sorry we argued with you. We should have given you this equipment long ago. Or was it just, fine, you can have the masks, shut up about it? Well, it... Or was it any, anything <laughs> like that? It became a, well, once you do an aerosolized procedure, if they're still under investigation, then that's airborne. So go ahead and wear the N95. And then, 
once there's this and you know in the ICU what's not aerosolized these people everything are and then exactly. at the time early on in March we were intubating everybody right correct we were, uh, we were tubing everyone so the minute you put a tube down someone's throat that's a major aerosolized procedure absolutely so this was this was you know from the very beginning kind of a struggle um, eventually and the next fight was that it wasn't just the nurses the respiratory therapists and the doctors that were to get in 95s but you know, my life is not any more important than somebody who cleans our hospital, somebody who does the x-rays, somebody who draws blood. And so we then started fighting for what is referred to as ancillary staff. And the funny part was that um, in this fight, respiratory therapists were considered ancillary staff. How is res- <laughs> First of all, let's just let me just put this out there. I don't believe anybody's ancillary. Okay, correct. I cannot do my job as a nurse practitioner now or as a nurse then if I don't have EVS helping me facilitate keeping the room clean and prepared for the next patient. Mm-hmm. Um, respiratory therapy, running vents, making sure they help intubate, giving me my blood gases in the morning. Like my job becomes much more difficult if. The quote-unquote ancillary staff isn't isn't there. I become ineffective. Correct. And, you know, I I think it's kind of funny that we're talking about a disease that's highly infectious. None of us knew exactly what services to clean with what. Mm -hmm. And we weren't going to protect the staff that is... They are the experts on how to clean all the different surfaces, which is our EVS. So so anyways, uh, it proceeded to eventually... Now the staff got N95s. Um, are we wearing them the way we're supposed to? And this is where a little confusion comes in. Um, it surprises the public that we throw them away every single encounter. That's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. we. In fact, I've highlighted this on the podcast before. I said, if I was caught with a mask on outside of a patient's room, in just February, let's not even talk about 19, 2019. I'm talking February of 2020. If I was pushing a bed, when I had a mask on, I was mm-hmm. pushing a bed. Even if the patient stunk, I wasn't wearing it because I was getting infected. The patient was horribly had a horrible stench or a GI bleed, and I was wearing the mask only so that I could breathe my bubble gum or my mint gum in my mouth instead of what they were spewing. Mm-hmm. I'd be in trouble with management. Of the hospital, leadership of the hospital, what is it? You take that mask off. You do not walk down hallways with PPE on. Correct. So, and, and I think that's kind of a fluid thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be um, as, I'm trying to find solutions and help out. But at the same time, you're very right. The way we're wearing our PPE now would have been corrective action in the past. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and I think, you know, a lot of it is, again, we... Although there's a statement out there that says that uh, we're not going without PPE. Well, I get two masks a day. Um, those a, masks, for a 12-hour shift, correct. you get two masks. Now, two N95 masks? Yes. Okay. So those N95s, um, we are told that if they are soiled or you know we break them or whatever the case may be, that we can get more. I happen... This is my first time ever in my nursing career where I don't fit the N95 that is currently in use. We've gone through um, seven to ten different masks um, since February. Manufacturers, styles, correct. Um, Non medical. uh, (laughs) Right. You know, we've used painters' masks, which we're very grateful to the community. We've used uh, dentistry. We've used basically anybody who donated masks, we've been using those, and each time we get fitted for them. Right. And people don't understand. I don't think people realize, because I see a lot of patients, not people. I see a lot of people, not patients. Let me rephrase that. Walking around the community, Costco, you know, Home Depot, whatever, and you're and everyone's wearing masks and whatever. You guys are great wearing your masks. However, when it's a true N95 airborne precaution room, I need to make sure that that mask is fitted appropriately to my face and that it's sealing properly. And in the hospital, they generally would like deal with one vendor Mm -hmm. and we would get one brand Mm -hmm. and annually staff the any staff would be tested to see to make sure that we knew what size were being fitted makes it difficult when you go from 3m to you know 
right. John X company to Bob's company that are all making different masks. Well, and this is going to blow your mind a little bit um, because, um, again, this is something that we had to stand up to our uh, leadership about. And that was at one point we were given a mask that none of us recognized. And again, all of us being people of science, we looked up the language on the mask. Um, it was written in Portuguese and Chinese. Um, and it specified not for medical use. Now, again, we've used some of the painter's masks. And mm-hmm. we used some of the, so we did a little research. And for three shifts um, in our ICU, we had masks that were not actually in 95s. So that begs the question, I mean, do we trust every mask that comes our way? Absolutely not. Um, right. We don't trust every mask. Um, we, I enforce for myself and I suggest to the other staff members in the ICU that they get fit tested for every mask. That doesn't mean we waste it. We continue using that mask for the rest of the day. Right. Fit tested um, for the general public means, like um, Tyler mentioned, you get a, a fit on your face. They spray saccharin, which are particles that you can smell but not taste. If Think you, of the perfume counter at Macy's. Correct. And if you taste it, then that's a problem. That means those particles have gotten um, inside your mask and you're not, you are not safe or you're, you're not being protected by that mask. And know that that generally means that it's not fitted, so it's, it's coming behind the mask from between your cheek or between your nose, the crease in your nose, mm-hmm. or under your chin. A lot of times, like, I have a big fat face, and a lot of times I'd have to twist the bottom of the mask to snug it up around the fat roll under my chin. <laughs> so I tucked it between the two chins, really, is what I did. You're so funny. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, so these, uh, you know, all this mask, like, I think a lot of people don't understand the intricacies that go with them. And at this point, I don't fit the mask that's in general use at the hospital currently. So they do have some uh, masks left over that they are parceling out um, little by little um, to people that don't fit. There's only a few of us. The people at our, what's called our PPE store, where it's the centralized disbursement of our protective equipment, um, they know me. I come down and they give me two. So you imagine you're in your unit. It takes a you know, an elevator ride down across to the other side of campus to go get your mask if you are, you know, you damage your previous mask. So Merry Christmas. Correct. So that's a long, that's a long hike. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, again, we tried to overcome. So there are masks. Um, we're wearing a couple a day. Some of us can stretch it out to a little longer if you don't drink water in between. Because oh yeah, um, don't drink water, people. That's horrible, <laughs> healthy. That's bad. That's bad advice. Don't drink water. <laughs> well, water is bad for you. <laughs> every single time you take that mask off and on, you are messing with the elastic and the integrity of the mask. Yeah. And you're touching your face, and you're touching the mask, and you're just aerosolizing what's on the mask. Whatever you are, you know, you you, it's everything on the mask is, you know, a fomite. So you touch the mask, you touch something else, you're you you run a risk. So, um, you know, best practice is not to take it off and on all the time. Some people can't do that, so they do. They take it off, which means the integrity of the mask doesn't last as long which is why, you know, you have to change it more than the two masks a day. Not very many of us do that because we understand the shortage. Um, but again, you know, back to PPE. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take it back a couple months. We were, and you're, this is going to blow your mind, um, because you've been in our hospital and you know that one-time use gowns, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Correct. Disposable gowns, paper okay. or plastic. We had both. Yep. Uh, one, I, and I looked the price up because I... I <laughs> I'm not being melodramatic, but I wanted to know what the value of my life was to our company. Oh, fair. That's a um, great analogy. I like yeah, it. Yeah, a dollar and sixteen cents a gown. Um, Holy shit! So a dollar sixteen cents. Mm-hmm. That's the one type of gown. The other type of gown um, was two dollars and forty six cents a unit. Um, so we ran out of the dollar ish gowns, what? right? It, so just so everyone knows, it costs approximately thirty thousand dollars and more, and three years of your life or more sometimes four or five depending to become a nurse Mm -hmm. so so you're you as the nurse as the person going to do that job you've already invested in yourself you've invested a good chunk of time 
and money. And if you have a family, you've separated from them to study and practice and everything else before you get the job. So you've spent a lot of you have a lot of effort. So mm-hmm. that's like saying, so I have a sixty thousand dollar Rolls Royce or whatever, and I'm not gonna clean it because I have a you know, one dollar part that needs to be fixed. Right. It's just and, that, that doesn't make sense. You know, I broke it out the reverse way. Tyler, okay. I actually went to our uh, leadership, and um, I I understood that there's a production problem at the time with uh, the with the gowns that we wear, um, and uh, so I asked them if they had bought the Tyvek suits. I don't know if you're familiar with those yeah. big white bunny suits that we see china and italy and spain yeah england everyone else wearing yeah Um, Mm -hmm. i saw them you know there you put face shields (laughs) so you put these bunny suits on and they're wipeable and you know you can kind of check them out for yourself for the rest of the time it's up to you right to spray yourself down and and you wear it for the day right um well one of those is about 13 dollars um it's not very much money no um, obviously, you, you might have to replace them every once in a while if they get torn. Um, but these little gowns are a dollar something. And so, I, you know, I kind of broke it out on how much it would cost to wear the more expensive gowns. And, and I'm saying all this, and I'm going to kind of go back. Um, they asked us to wear the $2 and something unit, um, <laughs> put it on, go in the room, take care of a COVID patient um, in an aerosolized space that is not. Um, it, it's not negative pressure. Oh, geez. Um, because we're not built that way, but except for rooms in our entire yeah, the two, two or three rooms that are available for that. Right. Correct. So we have these HEPA filters, and you know they they clean out the air as best as it can be, but it does not turn the air the way it's supposed to for an airborne virus. So we'll start with that. Um, then we go in that room, uh, and we're in this little gown that looks like an apron, and then we are supposed to on a regular basis take it off wash our hands we're supposed to be six feet away from the patient throw that out walk out clean our hands then clean the rest of our protective gear okay what we were asked to do um and it happened for a couple shifts until those of us that are a little more vocal decided that no it's not going to happen to us um we were asked to put it on take care of the patient take it off hang it up in the room what walk out wash our hands obviously because you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. walk out take care of the rest of our protective gear and continue with our day um and then, then reuse that gown when you came back in the room so the procedure to come back in they they decided that they could pay an or nurse or a a nurse another nurse um to have us open the door <laughs> go in grab the gown Put it on, and that nurse would then tie the back so that we wouldn't get dirty. Right? So, you, so you have a nurse getting paid, I don't know, Goodness. good good money, right, uh, You know, yeah. to just stand there and tie people in cheap gowns as opposed to buying the appropriate PPE? So you could, you know, uh, have an entryway that seals off the unit. Everybody gets their Tyvek suits on. Yeah. An entryway to do that would be like a plastic barrier. You mean like the ones that they do for the construction? Correct. The same exact <laughs> crap that they have for construction yes, sir. so that you don't get dust particulate for when they're sanding drywall in the room next to you. Mm-hmm. That system? The I- cheap system that they use for the contractors? Yeah, God forbid we'd use that for saving people's lives. So <laughs> there's been a few of us that have, you know, gone in with different alternatives to find a little more safe. Because as you can tell, reusing those gowns after they've been hanging for, you know, we go in every hour after they've been hanging. Or more, depending on if they're on other. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Or more. <laughs> um, and so each time you're putting on this out, outer surface that's dirty because the whole theory was that you were going to fold it inward against the magically clean door. Are you shitting me? Um, so that that I can't, I can't inside even, would be clean. I can't even so, wrap my brain around the stupidity. No, but that that was you know the what we were asked to do. So there was only a few people that did it. Um, and uh, after a couple of days, we said absolutely not. This is not safe. 
um, our contract says that you're going to provide appropriate PPE. Yeah. So um, we're not working in these conditions. And it wasn't that we weren't going to work. It's that we were being asked for different assignments. We asked for different assignments, and this was entire units. So um, somehow gowns appeared, and we continued. Oh, magic. Mm. So, you know, there's been there's been several things. You know, booties that normally are used in the OR. Um, I Those had, are foo, f- shoe coverings, people, not Kim Kardashian reference correct. here. Correct. <laughs> okay, that's not. Yes. So... Okay. These things that now we use so that we don't take COVID into other areas of our hospital, like our cafeteria or home, um, they were used before for, you know, preventing blood from spilling onto your shoe in the OR, things of that nature, you know, in our regular rooms as well. Um, well, they run out. <laughs> nice. So we have surgeons who mess up their tennis shoes, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah, we run out. So this is why, wow. Tyler, I was so angry. Yeah, you have every right to be. And I've highlighted on the show before, we're only, I don't know, 75 episodes in. I'm just kidding. There's only 12. <laughs> but we're only a few episodes in, and I've highlighted numerous times that nurses are different than most people think, right? So... Most of most of the female nurses that I've ever met, and I've met a lot, are non-confrontational. One hundred percent. We the the female like I'm super confrontational. Like that's no way. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know it doesn't seem right. Right. right? right. But look at me. I'm just the epitome of confront. You look next to the definition in the di- dictionary. There's me. But most nurses I know, most especially female nurses. Mm-hmm. Females in general, you know, Jordan Peterson's highlighted this as a psychosocialist numerous times, or psychologist, depending on how you wanted to pronounce it. He uh, he's highlighted on this, not this podcast, but different shows that women in general do not advocate for themselves vocally mm-hmm. or verbally. And when presented with, like, aggressive masculine, because most CEOs and managers happen to be male, mm-hmm. even in the nursing community, when presented with an aggressive behavior back or a perceived aggressive behavior back as in, no, you'll do it this way. Women will not fight for themselves. And so the nurses I've known would constantly just hate what they were doing, but continue to do it because I have to provide for my family or, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to piss anybody off. So kudos to you for standing up for your rights as an individual, first of all, and your rights as a nurse. People, I don't think, realize that if we, as the nursing staff, get sick and aren't there to care for their family member, mm-hmm. everyone's dying. <laughs> well, <laughs> not everyone, but I'm saying no, it's a yeah. problem. Oh, I agree. And um, one of the other things that should really catch our community's attention, it's something nurses are saying, um, not just here in Las Vegas, but nationwide. If you see us on the sidewalk with signs, something's really wrong. Something's yeah. really, really wrong. And, um, you know, I, I'm not afraid to fight for my rights. I, I happen to have a great family um, that's super supportive. And, you know, I, I'm allowed that. I have that ability. Um, yeah. I have that safety net. As you mentioned, a lot of times it's, it's our job it's the way that we provide for our families and nurses are caregivers right who do we care most about besides our family the patient in the bed it's never us i'll tell you that right now we burn ourselves out well people go without peeing people go without drinking people go without and so at this point you said you wanted to give them water are you shitting me you want to give nurses water in between mask changes are you you're crazy i don't know what you're thinking so yeah so you know we're being asked to um wear all these things an extended period of time and so what do people do they do it because yeah. it's it's a pandemic um we don't have enough we make do this is what nurses do we we just make do well so we made do with two masks a day we did not make do with reusing the gowns that was an absolutely no way it just didn't right. make sense um sorry to interrupt but were you wearing your own home like scr- so scrubs were you being provided with scrubs by the hospital or were you wearing scrubs that you laundered in your house? Um, in the beginning, we asked for scrubs. It was one of the things that we requested because we had people with babies and you know, yeah, yeah. All, people with uh, people at risk at home, right? We have nurses with family members that are high risk um, 
have high risk conditions. No, um, but we are now. Um, I do have to say our company did listen. That was one of the things that we really spoke loudly about. So um, today, the way that my uh, routine works is I wear a pair of shoes and uh, scrubs um, to work and a scrub cap. And uh, so I have my hair covered at all times. Um, and then we change into an, another set of scrubs. We change shoes. Um, we put another thing on top of our scrub cap. And, of course, we have a couple of masks on and a face shield and goggles. Well, goggles and then face shield when we go into um, the patient's room. At the end of the day, we are we do change outside out of those scrubs into the scrubs that we wore into the hospital. You don't shower, though. Um, no, we don't shower there. Could, though. Well, yeah, we we don't have a shower. We have one shower on each unit, so that's it. There's nothing been opened for us to, you know, no extra showers. Yeah. Um, so in my case, um, I'm very lucky. I do have a door right near my shower. So um, In your house, in your personal house. In my personal house. So mm-hmm. on um, my work day, um, I do leave the shoes that I, and they're covered, but I do leave them in the hospital and I wear other shoes out and then, you know, get into my car with those clean quote unquote scrubs and, <laughs> uh, and then I cleaner, take, cleaner. Yep. And then I take those off outside of my door in the backyard and oh. then I go in my house. Great. Now there's going to be helicopters flying right? around I looking know. for you taking off your clothes <laughs> in the backyard. Are. But you know, I have this bag that stays there for those three days and that's how I prevent myself from walking in with any kind of covid into my home that's cool yeah so and most of us have a nice little routine it was very difficult in the beginning because you don't know and you have experts kind of changing their minds and i don't want to say changing their minds there the science was growing the science was kind of moving and there was a lot of things that we didn't know that we know now so i've said changing your minds because i think Fauci changed his mind a lot but that, it's a whole other story <laughs> it's, a, it's a growth curve of knowledge as there far is as definitely a growth curve for sure because yeah. even for myself um there's a little bit less fear because there's a little bit more knowledge yeah absolutely um and uh so we you know at that part the scrubs are being given now um, the masks are still, it's not the way it's supposed to be. And I wow. don't know when they will be until they're mass produced here in the United States. Um, the shields we reuse and those we... The clean. masks are mass produced, by the way, in the United States. Well... 3M's <laughs> manufacturing, well, they say 15 million a week, I think, in masks. Is that going to keep up with our surges? Or well, do we need other companies to start manufacturing them? They need well? other companies. There's a company Correct. in Texas for sure that can, but... No one is guaranteed to purchase from him, so he can't afford to start up his four additional lines to Correct. manufacture the masks. But so he has – there. there's capability. Well, this is where the Defense Production Act would come in. You know, Absolutely. That, that is you know, the federal government assuring that manufacturer that if he retools his stuff, that it's going to be used on the He doesn't have to retool against. anything. It's already tooled. Well – why doesn't Dignity Health, excuse me, why doesn't the hospital, <laughs> why don't, well, it's Dignity. Everyone, it's in Vegas, it's Dignity, because you heard it on the news. It was on the news, national news. You guys are out protesting. So why does the hospital not contract with this person? They own a lot of hospitals. They're not, this isn't one hospital that, I mean, National Nurses United is the union that you belong to. Correct. And that union is all through California mm-hmm. and in Nevada, Arizona. Arizona. Mm-hmm. So... You're talking a lot of people. If that hospital would contract with this person and guarantee a purchase of millions of masks for their facilities, well, look, that's supply chain economics at work in its finest. But well, it seems like they don't want to, the CEO doesn't want to spend any money. It, that's, now you're delving into something that I'm not quite aware of. I don't know what contracts they have out there. And yeah, no, I get it. But I obviously well, we've other asked. hospitals was able to cancel contracts because Correct. they canceled a lot of contracts early on to try and facilitate getting better deals or getting equipment during this whole shutdown. Right. And and it is something that our union has requested from our um, our leadership is to disclose how much they're planning for the surge um or because you know right now we say the surge we we know it's going to be waves we've had two waves so far and it's not over i mean they're it's coming in waves so um but i do want to touch on one last thing or you know is it's staffing so we talked about ppe but part of keeping our community safe with staffing. And that's one of the things that we did our, sorry, that's my dog. Oh yeah. No, we're in this, be- just so everybody's <laughs> aware, we are not in my studio. Cause that'd be boring. That'd be- <laughs> I am in 
this beautiful by this beautiful poolside outside we're chilling got a bottle of wine like this is comfy i mean i am not leaving geo so, stuck with me translation is geo <laughs> is still very very um strict on covid and so i had to meet him outside masks on six yeah i've yeah. and everyone knows so, on the podcast that <laughs> listens that i'm not a, i'm not a mask happy person i don't wear a mask but for geo i will wear a mask i will wear a mask everywhere i go now you know why i i yes. do have i have a child who is high risk um i have a mom who's high risk and i have a sister who's high risk yeah so i take it very serious absolutely um, that's fair and uh whenever anybody tells me oh it's only this percentage or whatever percentage it is of mortality that you decide on today um <laughs> right. it uh i then ask them well which one of your family members do you want to give up which one of the six percent of your family members correct. if you that's what you want to use as the uh, number i i whatever number you want to use because we I, all know that number is bs but anyway so i it, as it ranges back and forth depending on who gets infected because my i believe the science is you know you have if you're looking at a group that's, you know, coming from a group home setting or a skilled nursing facility, it's going to be a high percentage of mortality, correct? Yeah, yeah. Now, if you're talking about somebody at a rally or demonstration or something like that, it's going to be a lower percentage of mortality because those are mobile people. And younger, generally, without without a bunch of comorbidities. Correct. So you're going to have different mortality for the different groups of people, and then it's going to average out. But again, my answer is, who do you want to give up? Because... I don't want to give any up anybody a mine up, so I'm being really careful. I know a couple, and- but I can't be selective <laughs> is the problem. Right. You know, so, just in my family alone. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Not really. So with the with the staffing thing. Yeah, back to staffing. Yeah, Sorry, back, I no, I'm, no, I, no. I derailed us because the dog was barking and I thought I better explain to everybody why is there a dog in this right. studio? Well, so that's the pool pump you hear in the background. I don't know if anyone can hear that. But it this is beautiful by the way. Well, I like thank your you. backyard. It's awesome. <laughs> um so we were what we were talking. About. Oh, the demonstration. Oh, yeah, the, the, well, the staffing. So you you guys went on strike because not just PPE, but there was a sta- there's a staffing concern. Right, right. And I and I keep on correcting you. No strike. It was sorry. It was please correct me. Please it's correct okay. me because I'm you know yeah, illiterate. Yeah. No. 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 It just wasn't a strike. That's that's our main concern is that it was a you know we wanted to communicate to the general our, public, the general public, our community, everybody, um, yeah. our fellow nurses that they weren't alone in in this fight. And uh, one of the things that we are lacking is staff. And it is getting, after this demonstration, um, it did get a little better, and it's slowly getting better for us. Good. Um, But, you know, we've been talking about this since March, and I can tell you that I personally met with leadership as part of, um, you know, a union rep um, back in March and asked what the plan was. Met with them in May. What's the plan? (laughs) Right. Met with them in June in the middle of our second wave. That was really hard for us. Yeah, and I heard. It was bad. It was really bad. And, you know, what's the plan? And uh, there were still finally two positions opened up. <laughs> two whole spots. Right. And I can say I, I'm being kind of facetious now, but um, more positions have opened up since then. But you figure from March to now, what were we doing? I don't know. Um, I can. The other Getting thing by? Is, Barely, we were not getting by. That's, I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm true. gonna allude to some pretty harsh realities, and that is people die when we don't have enough staffing. And no, I think that's not a harsh reality, that's just a fact. It's a fact. And the way that the ICU works, we have what's called a telemetry tech. Um, it is our person that uh, watches all of the tellies from the front counter or from wherever it is in your particular hospital. This is day. heart rates and rhythms for people who exactly. don't understand. Yep. So it's basically to let us know that something is going wrong in another room that we're not in. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a centralized location for the whole hospital for those nurses that have four to six patients to whatever the ratio is. I see you nurses. We generally have two. Um, sometimes we have one because we can't step away from that room. It's it's critical for us to be changing the numbers on whatever medications there, and we can't let things run out. Or I, I people don't understand, but I've been in rooms where it was two nurses to one patient, yeah. because the patient is so yes. gravely ill that there's two highly skilled nurses. I mean, top of the line. Not I don't think anyone else. There's there is levels of nursing, mm-hmm. and I'm we're talking about. ICU nurses who are practicing at the top of their skill set, right. you know, and sometimes there's patients that require two people 24 hours a day to care for them because they are on 
so many medications, constant changes, event. They maybe need constant dialysis. You know, there there's a lot happening, and one person just physically can't manage it all. Well, what you just described is a very sick COVID patient. Fair what enough. You just described right now um, on our COVID unit, uh, the thing called CRT, which is that cons- you know um, continuous renal replacement therapy. That's mm-hmm. con- constant dialysis, slow flow. So we don't cause fluctuations in people's blood pressures, heart rates, what we call hemodynamics. Um, so our COVID patients, you know, that are very sick. And again, I'm talking about ICU patients. Um, so I don't want the general population to think it's going to be them. But, you know, one of the first systems that gets affected um, after the lungs is uh, the kidney. I mean, it just yeah. happens. It's it's the filter. It's the one that wants to get rid of stuff, right? So it gets pretty affected and um, it gets tired, so we have to run these continuous renal replacements, and we hope that people get their kidney function back, but sometimes they don't. If we don't run these, then every other organ system gets affected because, like a pool, backs up. mold you know, grows or doesn't grow in a pool based on a pH level, your organs function or don't function based on a pH level, and that includes the heart, the lungs, the brain, the liver, everything. Mm-hmm. So... There's a nurse there that is continually maintaining that pH level for you with a renal replacement machine and uh, medications. And that's, you know, that that person's just there um, all the time. It's not on autopilot, people. I don't think anyone realizes this is not like you fly the plane and hit autopilot and it takes you to Chicago. Yeah. There's a lot happening. And the management of a human's pressure externally like it's really hard to do separate from the human body what the human body does naturally it's not easy correct because you don't have all those you know automatic automatic sensors doing it negative you know (laughs) return pathways right (laughs) right i mean all that's blown for these patients so you you are relying on a line that is inserted that gives you a beat by beat blood pressure because your job is to maintain perfusion to that brain to make sure that person will come out of this at some point yeah it's some sort of function right well um with all that said if so let's short the nurses right so let's <laughs> and and on top of that let's you know we rely when we're short we at the monitor in my room i can set up to look at two people mm-hmm. so if i have two patients i feel a little better when i spend more time giving patient um a great care great bath you know what whatever that patient needs extra that day. when you're in one patient's room you can sort of monitor in the periphery your other patient my other patient i can i can see some of their um their major functions right vital signs correct oxygenation heart rate okay. blood pressure right but now in our short staffing now you have three patients and you can't monitor the third one you cannot um, and you might be late with meds because it, there's time associated with these drugs to be given on time. Right. And all of them are running um, these medications very fast-paced. And if any of them run out the continuous medications, a heart changes. Stops. Yes. <laughs> stops. Stops. It's not changes. It freaking stops. It, yeah. So, and then there's this backup system, right, of this person that's sitting at that front desk telling you, hey, uh... Room blank has a lower blood pressure. Go check on them. Now, what this looks like is I then take off my protective gear, wash my hands, go out, clean my protective gear because I can't cross-contaminate, and put (coughs) other protective gear on to go into that room and check on that patient. That's a 20-minute process. Uh, we've got it down pretty, pretty... We got it down pretty good now. I'm just seeing it in my head, and I'm like... I'm, first of all... If it was me, that would be an hour because I would need to go get a snack. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding. It'd be bad, though. I'm not going to no, lie. It, would, it wouldn't it, be fast. No, we've got it down really. Like, honestly, we, we are now experts at doing this, you know. Oh, thing. I'm sure. But um, the problem with that is there is a delay in getting in there. And that's that in itself is, is no fun. But in the entire time, you can't short that process because then you're going to be the patient. Yeah. So, you know, and you have to. And we've tell, both known nurses that have become the patient. Absolutely. And while you're staring in that room with that blood pressure going down, and you're putting on a gown, 
and the entire time all you, the mantra in your head is check is this on check is that on check uh, you know and then you go in right mm-hmm. well when that person's not there and you have extra patience who's watching yeah that's a good question yeah so who who qualified is watching there may be someone watching yeah maybe yeah so this isn't oceans 11 like no it's not like there's a tv in every room right danny ocean is able to see it all and see what's happening this is the real world this isn't hollywood no and then the other it's not house i don't have a doctor running through the hospital (laughs) trying to save everybody with obscure we have a couple dogs that are definitely (laughs) running through the hospital trying to save the world and i shout out to them because they have been fantastic for us that's good but um we we also have another process that's called proning and that requires a respiratory therapist at the helm of the bed, you know, that ancillary staff member. Oh, yeah, that, um, that ancillary, very important <laughs> ancillary staff member. For a respiratory disease. Yeah, yeah, and then, that person. Right, and then four nurses um, in the room. And um, you've been, in, you know, you've been an ICU nurse, you yeah, know. Yeah, I've proned it patients. Takes. It's not fun, it's not easy. Nope, you are dealing with, these are patients with a central line, with a big IV that goes, you know, way into a big, big vessel of their body. Um, an, ar- an arterial, arterial line, line. Um, Foley, a Foley, ET uh, tube, ET tube um, a tree, an NG or OG tube for food, for <laughs> feeding, flexi I mean, seal, a flexi seal for diarrhea. Um, I mean, you, you are catheter. You, you have every tube and yeah. we have to keep those all straight, make sure they don't get pulled out or kinked, flip the person over. So that is not a two minute thing. Now, um, to be fair, they do make a nice bed that helps to do that. I, yeah. But that's uh, probably, they don't want to spend a buck on a damn gown. They ain't going to spend the 40 grand on this bed. Well, we've got. I'm um, just throwing it out there as an option. <laughs> you know, I, some of the hospitals that I've looked into may have four or five of those beds because maybe at the height of, you know, whatever thing they've had going on. Yeah. Um, they or they have, had a good deal on them or something. Yeah, and they may have, like, what, four patients in the entire hospital that have a pulmonary disease that requires that proning, right? Right. Um, we had 34. Holy shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So... So Hillrom is a manufacturer of beds, and I guarantee you that with they don't even have enough to supply 34 to one facility. No. Because they probably got hit hard in the early requests. There's companies out there. I don't think people know. There's companies out there that their job is just to lease equipment Mm -hmm. to hospitals. Mm -hmm. So you can buy a bunch of medical-grade equipment and then get a contract with a facility and lease them for so much a day or so many days, so much a month, whatever your rates are. But those companies were out. <laughs> right. Everybody. And, you know, if we don't have the negative pressure rooms to begin with and we are short on our N95s and have to wear them extended and we are short on the gowns and have to rewear them at one point and we're short on nurses and we have to work extra um, and or have extra or and have extra patients and we don't get our breaks. And yeah, right. we're afraid to bring it home to our families and we get sick ourselves. Um, what quality of nurse do we have right now? You know? Yeah, no, it's not good. You know, it's it, I, put, it puts patients at risk and it puts the nurse at risk. And ultimately, the hospital should realize it puts them at risk, legal risk. Well, this is where that uh, Senate bill <laughs> yeah, the mandatory staffing ratio bill. Oh, oh, no, no, no. The Senate bill that was trying to get approved out there, Senate Bill 4, SB 4. What was this one? Explain it to me. Um, well, it that, was, I'm, not, I'm not up on the lingo. I'm not. Well, I don't know. I'm not cool like that. I'm on, you know, so I'm I, into sports. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I've been keeping my eye on it because of where I'm at, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, initially this bill was uh, put out there for... Workman's comp, it was really to protect a lot of the hotel employees and the work people. People out there in the front lines were um, being protected to make sure that if they got COVID in the line of work, that it was a workers' comp issue, right? Yeah. um, A lot of those rights would be protected. Well, um, once it went up for a legis you know up in the legislation and mm-hmm. all that stuff um things get added on right 
And there happened to be this particular Section 20 that I kept my eye on, and it was that lawsuits could not be brought on um, and against some of these entities. What? Um, yeah. And, you know... I'm looking at it right now as we're talking. Yeah. It, it, it'll, it, you have to go down to Section 20. It did get taken out um, because there's quite a few of us that became very vocal yeah, um, but, there's uh, a lot of union mentioned in this little article I'm oh, reading right now yeah. that talks about uh, how Sisolak, who's our governor in Nevada, mm-hmm. who's a complete buffoon, by the way. I don't agree with him at all. But I don't okay. agree with him, but he... <laughs> no, I don't agree with Tyler. I don't. You did, well... Uh, there are parts of the, the things... Everyone has did. a... Yeah. Everyone can has a good stuff about them. Correct. There, there, I can't say all is bad. I mean... I don't want to wish anything negative on the guy at all. But I'm saying he did sign this bill on the 11th of August. Mm-hmm. So is when does it become law? I'm trying to find no, out. Well, this bill is actually, it's Section 20 got taken out. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's good. Yep. Because there's no, you should be able to sue your employer for not providing appropriate equipment. Well, it was that. Um, it was um, some of the guests and things like that um, to our hospital. But um, Oh, yeah. It, it says it's talking about visitors who come to the... Right. Yeah, right. So okay. initially, um, it had all of the hospitals, and then all the hospitals got taken out except for the nonprofits right before it went for the last vote, and then the nonprofits got taken out as well, thank God. Yeah. Um, but I did have to talk to a lot of my friends to call the governor and to call their representatives, and... There's a shout out to a few really great representatives that were out there, um, you know, uh, that just Assemblyman Fumo and uh, Senator Cancella. Um, they just I, I sent them messages saying thank you so much for being against that section and making sure that it came through, uh, you know, and without any hidden problems for the, us in healthcare. And um, Senator Cancella said. It was just the right thing to do. Yeah, no, that's great. So, that's really you know, good. Um, I do have to say, I mean, we do have some legislators up there that, that do have, um, they're just our best, uh, they, they do, uh, you know, care for us. and yeah, Our best and interests are they definitely. They do have our best interests because they do come from a labor force themselves. Yeah. And they know. Or have family members that do this correct, job. <laughs> correct. And they know what we're going through or at least have an inkling of what, you know, some of this translates to for our everyday life well i think the people who are best in a position to help are people who have been negatively affected either by the virus or have been negatively affected by the ineffective appropriation of nursing staff in a facility Mm -hmm. so a lot of these people senators representatives they're in their middle 30s to 50s and they've had family members parents generally 60s to 70s 80s who've been in a facility and they've seen specifically how nursing staff works very hard Mm -hmm. to provide quality care but doesn't often have the support that they want so i truly believe that when those people whether it's a senator representative or governor or somebody when they see a bill come across the desk that helps support that i i think you get an easier ask than if they're trying to support taxes for roads or <laughs> right right do, do you know what i mean i think oh, the, yeah. the push is a little simpler and the request isn't so bold when i think you know nursing in general in healthcare, and and i don't just want to take it to nursing it's nursing respiratory therapy physical therapy occupational our yeah. pharmacist all the people in the hospital you know we have this mentality of, that we mentioned before of make do mm-hmm. and making do um should not be how we take care of our healthcare people. No, um, it should not be how we run healthcare facilities. Make do um, because this pandemic highlighted exactly the chinks in our armor. Um, if we're making do all the time when we're working, you know, at our maximum capacity for our staffing, then what happens when there's an extra need? Right. Um, and we're not saying something like COVID, but it happens every single year for flu. Well, um, we got taxed pretty damn hard in the October 1st shooting mm-hmm. here in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Our hospitals were put to the test. And I can tell you that what it did do and um, is that um, HCA, um, who was put to the test, mm-hmm. um, and... Uh, UMC, mm-hmm. who were more put to the test. We d- we did see some fallout where I work. 
um, from October 1st, but nothing like um, our two other hospitals here. Um, they were better prepared for a disaster. And COVID, you know, in March, April, and last month, well, end of June, beginning of July, was a disaster for our hospitals. Yeah. Um, you know, when you hear from hospital administration that we're not yet at capacity, we're at 96 or 90 percent. Right. Um, yeah, you laugh because you know what that means. <laughs> I that do. That means almost every bed is taken. Yeah. Um, but we don't have the staff for every bed. Right. Our community doesn't know that. We never have the staff no. for every bed. Well, and I've, so, I've said on the podcast numerous times, I said people don't get that hospitals operate at a freaking 100% capacity. They operate there mm-hmm. every year. Mm-hmm. Last year before COVID, mm-hmm. it was 100% and we were holding ICUs in mm-hmm. the in the mm-hmm. ER. There was overflow. There's been hospitals in Nevada that the state's been called because there's too many patients. They haven't shut down. They just keep accepting patients. And now you've got a list of patients in the ER being held, not treating, not being treated by a nurse taking care of two people. It's a poor ER nurse who doesn't have the equipment and the necessary means to take care of six freaking ill patients. Correct. So, again, we don't have the staff, but then our facilities are generally full. Mm-hmm. We benefit in the summer because a lot of the snowbirds that live in our area go back to Michigan, Wisconsin, Chicago, wherever they live in the summer months, but they don't want to deal with the snow, so they come here. Mm-hmm. And people that are snowbirds are not 15 years old with no comorbidities. Those are my elderly, comorbid, diabetic, heart disease, elderly patients. Right. You know, the right. retirees. So I'm already going to be filled in the hospital. So when my when you say that it's 96% capacity or 97% capacity, I'm laughing my ass off because the beds that are empty are being held for surgical for patients. Right. They're right. being held for, you know, same-day surgery patients. They're not because they don't have patient, people to put in those beds. They're holding them for a purpose. Well, and if we don't have a single bed in the ICU, and let's say that we canceled our surgeries, but we don't have a single bed in the ICU, mm-hmm. what happens with a heart attack or a stroke? Right. You know, like we can't say, um, <laughs> you need to stay home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, people get care and then they have to go somewhere and you know it stops and the er gets hammered all the time they hold a lot of our people um and you know the middle floors get hammered because we're trying to push people the the flow of the hospital is one where you know if there's an icu need we find a way so that a patient gets moved to another floor that's least sick yeah right right so we have to unclog it somehow and Unfortunately, if we're working with just enough staff, right. then we can't get creative and open up that Pack observatory <laughs> unit. Yeah, exactly. Right. To you know, bring down equipment. It doesn't matter how much equipment we buy. We cannot grow. You can have all the equipment you want if right. I don't have Right. It's like a cab service, right? So you got a shit ton of cars to drive people around, but I have no one to drive the cars. Right. It takes it takes a good three months to have a med surge nurse that's competent to work on her floor. It takes an IMC nurse a good six months to be competent to work on her floor. It takes an ICU nurse at least a year to be competent to work on our floor. But if it's um, a his floor, it's two hours. We're uh, amazing. If it's a his floor, then <laughs> nothing's going right. Just enough is okay. And, nah, it's a, and we're bitching the whole time. Uh, you know what? It's a shit show. And I show. quit. Yep. Fuck it, I quit. No, we, we come in and the male will take care of the patient and then the female nurse will come and make sure that <laughs> the patient lives. How's that? <laughs> is that okay to that's, say? That's absolutely okay to say. Okay. This is medically unbiased. This is there's the juxtaposition between the two characters here. This is perfect. No, I have to tell you, I love my male counterpart nurses. I I work with some pretty amazing guys. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know most of them there. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that has come out of COVID is that number one. And I, and I meant to send this to you. One of our pregnant nurses sent out a message. She's on her 35th week, and she's like, I am so grateful to our ICU staff because we all took our turns. We didn't make her take COVID patients. That's awesome. Right? Um, and we have a couple of uh, nurses that are 
um, pregnant. And so we took our turns. There's yeah. no way. Like, there's no way we were going to put them at risk, right? That's cool. Um, now, my my part of this as a union rep is that I said, well, why, why is it that our company is not already protecting these guys that are on the protected, on the high risk list yeah, of the right. CDC? But right. that's a whole other ballgame. Um, yeah, I don't. I've never understood why the my biggest issue with any management is the fact that they're not medical professionals. Generally, they're business people, and you can't have two. You can't be in two fields at one time in your head. I don't believe. Mm-hmm. So you can't have your mindset on the bottom line on how to make money, and at the same time be willing to sacrifice everything to protect the patient. You can't have it both ways. Well, doesn't that tell us exactly what our companies value then? The, yeah, money. I mean, who who runs who runs the show? Money, right? Yeah, that, that's my point. I mean, the CEOs are MBAs. They are not doctors. They are not nurses. But, but look at somewhere like Mayo. Yep. Run specifically by physicians uh-huh. and nurses. Uh huh. You know. Yep. Well, I, I'm specifically talking about <laughs> organizations here. Yes, but, uh, yeah. fair enough. But yeah. I'm just saying, you look at someone like that who is thought of as the top of the line. I want to go to Mayo to get my care mm-hmm. because they are the best at what they do. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that? Because every other facility has nurses and doctors. So what's the difference? Is it just the management team? And I argue that it could be. Well, I'm thinking, wouldn't it go without saying that the money will follow the quality i would believe so yes because (laughs) look at look at a quality vehicle right you don't you don't pay pennies for a freaking ferrari no you're gonna you spend a lot of money more to get more yeah Yeah. not give less like tesla and hyundai (laughs) they just don't go in the same you know no, so Marriott Holiday Inn. Like I don't know. It's so, one of those. You know, I, I can't say I haven't been to those facilities lately with COVID, but um, I, I kind of have an inkling that they're not using HEPA filters. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and uh, I'm probably not. Probably not. You know, and I know a facility in town that's making their nursing staff, and I can't believe that they're doing this, and I can't believe the nursing staff is doing it is following along because they haven't stepped up like you did mm. so i if i was there if i was a nurse there i would be either walking off the job and never coming back to that facility or i would be rallying around my fellow nurses to get them stuff there's brown bags on a table and they get their masks sanitized oh yeah let's let's you want to talk about that. oh shit i Which, was saw that did and you I see was it? floored did you, did you finally see it I saw the masks. I, saw, I yeah. walked through the unit because yeah, I had I to go you see had a, a patient. Conversation with me that said he I'm hadn't like, seen it. I'm like, what in the hell is this? Again, if nurses How are out on the, the sidewalks, it's because something's really wrong on the inside. That's not even rational. Yeah. At no time in our history when we have ever done that. Yeah. And now when the most vicious, supposedly vicious respiratory illness is upon us and we've shuttered our entire economy to protect people from it, we're now going to try something right. completely new uh, and random. Well, the, the, you know, we um, at our hospital, we did have some recycle boxes put into our units um, for the N95s. Jeez. And um, <laughs> without telling on too many of us, um, we printed what 3M had to say about sanitized three, um, <laughs> masks, the yeah. N95s. And 3M statement is that Okay, let's let's say that you get the filter cleaned, right? Yeah. And sanitized. Um, that means, I mean, you ha- you're going to have to get all those particles off, and a lot of this stuff is being used with UV lighting and all, whatever. Right. Whatever they're using. Right. Um, it damages the particle the, anyway. Right. Um, damages my skin, so it's probably damaging the damn mask. Correct. And then are they restringing the masks? Because... Oh, yeah. The bungees, you mean? Yes, because mm. the... The whole idea is there's a seal to the face. So 3M put out a statement back in April that said um, there was one in February and then one in April that said that they had not found whatsoever a way to sanitize the masks and still make them safe to wear and for the masks to have their full integrity. So we printed that and we put it on our recycle bins. And um, I think at some point the recycle bins were pushed outside our door. I'm not That's, exactly yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm Somebody sure they put it out there. I but would have. Yeah, um, our masks, when I was there. We, we are, have not been asked to do that. And I don't, you know, our vice president said that no single nurse has gone without uh, appropriate PPE. 
So, um, you know. Yeah, they said that on national television, right? I mean, yeah. Um, I'd, I'd like no, to know. No single nurse is going without any PPE I, that's necessary for to do their position. So I guess he agrees with the recycling of masks. Is that must be appropriate Jeez. to him. I, I don't know because there's an entire hospital here doing it. Well, this reminds me of the argument that I have now as a provider because mm-hmm. I was a bedside, now I'm a provider. And I, I find myself having these, not arguments, but I question the sanity of insurance companies when I need to order a test for a patient to confirm or, you know, prove essentially that they have heart disease mm-hmm. and the insurance company denies it. It's, it's that. So I want to just take it. Sometimes I want to take the patient who's really sick and say, just show up at the damn like insurance office and puke all over their desk and be like, <laughs> right. now will you approve it? Is that visually evident right. enough for you to see that I need whatever I need? And I mean, that's an extreme, uh, what am I trying to say? Kind of an extreme idea because it would never happen. But yeah, that's well, that what was, I see in my head. You know, I actually, um, and I might get in trouble about this, but I did say it to... <laughs> you uh, care. You I know. This is why we get along, okay? I'm I did just saying. say it to my leadership early on when I was being asked to wear an, um, a regular mask with a person um, being tested for COVID, but not back yet. The test not back yet. Mm. We call those PUIs again. Um and what I did say to him was, one of the people in leadership was, come inside the room with me with a surgical mask on and turn the patient with me. And Yeah, then, come, come do my job with me so you can see. And yeah. then I will believe that you believe that it's safe. <laughs> and then I will be able to tell the nurses that you do believe that it's safe and that you're asking us to do something you're willing to do yourself. Absolutely. But if you're not willing to do that, then... Neither am I. And what was the answer? Well, the answer initially was that he was going to. And yeah. then um, I guess his higher up said that he was not allowed to. Oh, his higher up. Correct. Wow. That went high. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, there's mm. been there's been a lot of stuff that's quite interesting to me. You know, um, I, I don't think that anything is done out of malice. No, I, mean, I don't believe this so um, either. I don't believe... That any CEO has their no. has, wants us to die. No, I don't think they wake up in the morning and say, "How can I make ICU nurses more miserable?" <laughs> you know, um, but I also don't think they wake up in the morning and say, "How can I make my nurses' job a little less Better. miserable during a pandemic?" Yeah, or just in general, forget the pandemic. Well, I I don't think they did <laughs> in the beginning, and so it's just been like you said, highlighted. Now it's yeah. been exposed as a problem yeah whereas before it was a problem but it was a problem that we dealt with (laughs) right well you know now we're not dealing with we're not nurses are not happy no nurses are leaving our nursing community yeah nurses are retiring um people are becoming you know um case managers they're they're moving on. They're changing what they do. Yeah, they're leaving the bedside. Yep. And it's not because they hate what they do. It's because the toll it's taking on us emotionally and physically, Yeah, it's no longer worth it. It used to just be our burden, and now it's our entire family's burden. Fair enough. That makes that makes sense. I think this is a great place to, to stop. What do you think? Yeah, sure. H- how do you feel? I feel great. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. thanks for joining me on my podcast. This is cool. I feel all special. I got to speak with <laughs> the one and the only Geo. Oh, my mm. gosh. You have a great night. All right. Talk to you later, everybody. You've been listening to Medically Unbiased. Visit our website at medicallyunbiased.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Medically Unbiased. Listening to this podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship. The Medically Unbiased podcast is for general information purposes only. Thanks for listening.